0: You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the
1: latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Joey's season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 379. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in this Thursday. Great, great episode once again. One of our favorites, Susanna Summers from Bachelor Data on Instagram, breaks down the record-breaking numbers we have seen this season from Joey, from Daisy, from Maria. And we talk about a lot of factors involving that, the resurgence of this show this season, how things have gotten better when bachelor data really thought this might be one of my last seasons. So, so much to talk about there. We'll get to all that momentarily. Now on the daily roundup that was posted a couple hours ago, just to go over some things. If you did not hear a, a few updates, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Cause I spent a lot of time on it on the podcast, go check it out on the daily roundup. But, um, you know, nobody still has guessed, at least that has mentioned to me in emails to me or DMs to me on Instagram or even DMs on Twitter. Nobody has said to me, well, here's what I think it is. And that ended up being right. I think there was one that was like on the right track. But I, what I said on the podcast on Daily Roundup today, and I'll say it again here, is just I think a lot of you are thinking too big. Because as I said at the beginning of the season, before I even knew what this unprecedented ending to Joey's season was, I did say that it's probably going to be a big bag of nothing. So it's not nothing. I can guarantee you that because it's definitely something that's never happened before. So to me, that makes it somewhat interesting. And I do think it's interesting. But it's not this grand thing that a lot of people seem to be guessing where, oh, Joey's final two gets out of the limo and he dumps her and then he chases her down or something. That's just way too, the show's not going to do that. Um, It's just very interesting what happens. It's just something we've never seen. So I should know soon enough. And the other thing that I addressed on the Daily Roundup is, yes, I'm very well aware of the pictures that are floating around. And they're on all the Bachelor Instagram accounts. Go check them out if you want, because it's the first piece of hard evidence I've gotten all season in regards to my spoiler that may be wrong. And I'm like, whoa, okay, I need to look into this. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm looking into everything and I'm looking to kind of piece everything together and see where we go from there. But yeah, just keep that in mind. The other big thing that I talked about on the daily roundup today, and I'll tell you guys as well, If you're really interested in this, you got to go watch Dave Neal's videos on YouTube because he breaks it down better than I do. I only focus on a couple things that came out of yesterday's court appearances by Clayton Eckert and Laura Owens. The biggest there's two big things that came out of it. One, she released her HIPAA records. So and they go back as far as August 2020. So Clayton's legal team now will have access to all of Laura Owens medical records dating back four years which I think is huge because everything that we've been claiming like, oh, my God, she's lying. Hey, we're going to be able to access or they're we they're going to be able to access it. So that's huge. And number two has a bunch of points to it. Number one, her motion to quash her deposition was not granted. Her deposition is on March 1st. The hearing, whatever you want to call it, is going to be two hours, 845 in the morning on June 10th if it stays that date and if Dave goes, I will be going as well because it's the weekend of my party. I'll probably just leave on Sunday night, take a short flight to Arizona and be there during that day to cover with Dave. Now, if Dave doesn't go, I'm not going because he's been the the ringleader of all of this. And he's the one that I just want to join in on and kind of tag along and help any way I can. Maybe us taking turns going in and out of the court, sharing what we just heard. So it's still a long ways away. That date might get changed. We just never know. But as of right now, it's set for June 10th. That was announced yesterday. And then the other biggest thing in that court hearing yesterday was the fact that Laura's lawyer said he's going to be able to prove next week that Laura went to the doctor in November and the doctor told her, oh, by the way, you miscarried a month or two ago, which had everybody basically slapping their hand on their head and just like, are you kidding me? Is that the route she's going now? The woman who at seven months was still telling people she was pregnant, yet now she's saying in a court of law on mid-November, she went to the doctor and the doctor told her she miscarried. Great. Then why did she tell people a month later she was still pregnant with twins? Like this girl is lying out of her ass on so many things. I've lost track of all her lies. But the bottom line is the walls are caving in. And I'm telling you, she's going to get her comeuppance because she doesn't want to come clean. She just never wants to admit that she's done anything wrong in this whole situation. And it's just like that was the thing that is kind of funny to me, you know, is trying to quash her depositions. It's like, Laura, you're the one who's been screaming that no one will listen to you. And everything that you've done is right. And you've never said anything wrong. You've never changed your story. You've never been hypocritical about anything. You've never contradicted yourself. Everything is 100% truth with you. Great. Then why would you try and skip a deposition? Why are you trying to dump everything and get out of this whole case? if everything that you have said is 100% true, you should be running to the court system and can't wait to get under oath and tell everybody your story. So we can see right through her. It's just so obvious what's going on here. And then we find out about all of her past transgressions in the court system. And it's just like, this is a sick, sick individual, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people's opinion, it's just getting to an embarrassing part. You thought it was embarrassing already, but there's a part of me that's like, good. I want her to keep re- writing medium articles. I want her to keep showing up in court and saying things that are complete contradictions of other things that she has said in emails and in conversations over the last eight months. It's great because all she keeps doing is incriminating herself. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Please, Laura, write another Medium article tonight, today, tomorrow. Write one every single day. Write a journal and let us all see it on how you're feeling because I guarantee you it'd be impossible for you to say something that doesn't contradict something you said in an email to me or an email to Dave or an email to Clayton sometime over the last eight months or something that your lawyer said to Clayton's lawyers. I love it. Keep it coming. Keep incriminating yourself. Please do. All right, let's get going. Podcast number 379. All right, let's bring her in. She is a multi-time guest on this show. You know her as Bachelor Data on Instagram. Uh, It is Susanna Summers. Susanna, thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, thanks for having me back. So this
0: season, you know, I wouldn't have thought that we were just going to all of a sudden get this social media (laughs) resurgence. Like it was, you know, I know people were excited about Joey's season and you just never know until the season starts, like what's going to happen and all this stuff. But my gosh, the data that you have pulled for this season and have posted for this season honestly has my jaw on the floor because it's not like this season is, you know, just doing better than the past seasons. It's really absolutely blowing other seasons out of the water since COVID. So, I mean, obviously you've posted a lot. You've talked about this a lot on your posts, but Kind of explain to everybody the resurgence that we're seeing this season.
1: It is, I I am typically a very optimistic person and I was not optimistic going into this season ratings-wise, social media-wise. I mean, I the, the last few years, I started to focus way less on social media growth and instead on other fun pieces of data because it just wasn't fun to report on. And I am having an absolute, blast this season to the point where for a little bit of background on my account for most people who don't realize the whole history of my account i started posting about data on the bachelor franchise to the bachelor subreddit for like two and a half years before i started posting about it on instagram because i was truly just using this data as a fun way to learn excel um i wasn't trying to monetize it or anything like that it was really during Clarentatia season that i was like oh let me like start posting on Instagram so I can start pushing myself more data visualization. Most of the fun data that I had to play with when it came to social media growth was before I started on Instagram to give people an idea. I mean, Matt James season was still really fun to analyze, but after that, it really dropped off. Um, the last truly fun season to analyze was Peter Weber's season. And Marie and Daisy, we are seeing like Peter Weber season level growth weekly it is at it is it's so fun to analyze that i'm like actually going into my spreadsheets every day to like look at social media growth and when
0: you say that explain to people where both of them are at compared to because it's not just how much daisy and maria have grown this season in terms of their followers it's also how much ahead they are of everybody else it's like why are these two and actually we'll get to that in a second so why don't you explain Their growth this season, what each woman roughly, if you have it right in front of you, great. If not roughly what you remember each one having as the amount of followers on January 22nd before the first episode aired
1: compared to where they're at now. Yeah. So the number I like to look at thank respectfully, thankfully to thanks to your account is how many followers they had when they were announced, because unfortunately there is a bit of impact that your account has. Um, on social media growth, depending on spoilers. Um, That is a whole other story, by the way. I know a lot of people have heard me say, spoilers don't always impact social media growth. I still stand by that statement. It's just a very complex thing to break down. But Daisy had about 10,000 followers on Instagram when she was announced. And Maria had 20,000. Maria was actually the most followed contestant going into the show on Instagram. And then on TikTok, it was like a night one Elimini or night two or something like or week two. Um, now where we're at, uh, Maria has 309,000 followers and Daisy has 372,000 followers. So their starting amounts, even though Maria actually had a pretty high follower count, she had 20,000 followers going into the show. Um, it, that's honestly a drop in the bucket compared to what she has now. Now they are in their own league the next contestant that has the most followers the most growth that we're seeing is jen this season jen tran um she's doing exceptionally well which i find very interesting this season because i've always made the statement that people of color contestants um, do not get the same growth that their white counterparts do and I've i've now changed that statement to black contestants don't get the followers that we see their white counterparts because Now we're seeing Jen is really changing that trend this season, Um, but I mean, when you look at the amount of growth that Daisy and Maria have seen, and then the literally everybody else, they are just tiny little bars on the bar chart compared to these massive bars that Maria and Daisy are seeing.
0: You know, we talked about. Well, I was going to say, you know, you you talk about this, and we see this growth, and you're almost like, well, wait a second, why? Like, and you got to remember, there's also there's like there's different time periods for when growth can happen, because we know that this show releases the cast early. So we saw these women for the first time in September and we had their Instagram accounts all by the end of that day in September, about three days before they started filming. And then September 16th, 16th. So we've got that time where people are going to start following right away, even though most of these girls at the time were private and couldn't accept anybody. But so we got a good, idea of their numbers because they couldn't go up because they weren't didn't have their phones and they had already turned their phones in. So we had that number on September 16th. Then you get to the point where ABC officially announces them as a cast, which was
1: sometime in the December
0: of December, right? Uh,
1: January. January.
0: It wasn't until January fifteenth that they announced them. Publicly? Unless
1: you know what, never mind. No, that might have been in November because on my spreadsheet I tracked two days in September, two days in November, the fifteenth and the twentieth, and then I didn't start tracking until January fifteenth.
0: Okay, the fifteenth and the twentieth of November would have been right around the time filming ended, and they went and they went, and some of them were able to go um, live. Well, no, 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 no. In the past, it used to be. You go private, and then once all of filming is over, you can all go public. That has now changed to, you got to turn in your phones. When we announce the cast, you have to stay private. Now they can't go public until the day like People Magazine says, hey, here's Joey's 32 women this season. And I believe that was in December, and that's when that happened, this season. Yeah. Different seasons it's been passed. But you've got that window, and from the day that comes, and then you have – January 22nd, the night that people are actually looking at these women live on TV, walking, talking, dressing. And then then, then it's like, oh, look, okay, now I can make a decision on whether I want to follow this person or not. So it's got to be a little bit tricky. But can you pinpoint anything as to why Daisy and Maria have just exploded over everybody else?
1: Absolutely. This is my favorite thing to talk about, especially because... What people need to realize is that whenever we talk about this type of social media growth or whenever I'm analyzing it, right, as a data analyst as somebody whose job it is to look at data, you have to pull your own opinions out and you have to look at it from all angles. Um, So this is one of the things like talking to my mom, for example, my mom was like, I just don't understand why people like Maria. And I'm like, well, first off, let's talk about different generations and how how people are really engaging with these contestants now. So first and foremost, the biggest thing that I am seeing is that The Bachelor is actually relevant on TikTok now. Now, most people might be rolling their eyes and be like, oh, TikTok, like, but TikTok is very important to take into account because it's the number one most used social media app in the world. And it's where Gen Z really hangs out. Now, why do we care about that? Well, first off, we need the newer generations to care about The Bachelor if we want the show to keep going on. And this is what most people don't realize. Like, well, we don't care about Gen Z. We want the show. We want older contestants and blah, blah, blah. But like, we also have to realize that this show is a business. And if they want to continue to be on TV, they need to embrace Gen Z. Um, and you know what? They have started to cast older contestants and that's Golden Bachelor. So um, it is significantly older, but. When we look at TikTok and the fact that people actually are talking about The Bachelor on TikTok now um, and widely, I'm seeing big influencers like uh, Zandra, who is she just graduated from college. She has a couple million followers. We also look at somebody like Emily Kaiser, I think is how you say her last name. Um, she has millions of followers. They're all watching this show and they are Gen Z, and they're like everybody is talking about it. So. First and foremost, Gen Z actually cares about this show. Um, So this cast, while we have seen Gen Z contestants cast on this show for a few years now, this cast is majority Gen Z. And they're not just Gen Z because of their age, but they're actually embracing Gen Z things. So looking at Maria, who is not Gen Z, she's young millennial, she dresses, she acts, and she engages with social media like she's Gen Z. Um, So, attire, yes. The way her behavior is too, she's one of those like, she doesn't take any like shit. And like, just the way she, her attitude is like, I've seen tons of think pieces on TikTok about this. Just take my word for it. Gen Z says that she really, Gen Z really identifies with her. But on top of that, the next big piece is that Maria and Daisy are the first two contestants that are really really good at social media in a very long time and this has been one of the most painful things for me i've had this like script written up for a few seasons now that i've wanted to post but i just feel like it comes across as very condescending as like a guide to being a contestant on the bachelor to tell people like the contestants of like first and foremost here's how you lock down your account so you don't get hacked second you need to have the same social media handle uh, across all of your platforms so people can find you Third, here's how you make social media content. Like, because nobody really has been doing it. And because of that, like, we need this parasocial relationship with the contestants that we used to see before the pandemic. And Maria and Daisy are absolutely killing it on social media. Well, I don't, I, I
0: follow Maria. I haven't noticed a pattern. I have noticed Daisy's pattern, which is she's basically vlogging every episode on TikTok. She'll be like, hey, episode four tonight this is what I think going in, or this is how I felt. I journaled the whole time. Like she's very consistent, not to mention she has a whole other thing where she produces content essentially for her cochlear implant and that, and that audience, which obviously that's an audience that maybe never even watched this show before. And now they are being turned on to this show because of the message that she's able to get across now. And she's, you know, I'm using the word influential in a different way now, but she's probably one of the more influential contestants this show has ever had because of the platform that she is championing.
1: Yeah. Something that Daisy is doing is and I'm going to give a little bit of a back history here for people who don't actively use TikTok or, or not even are on this algorithm. There's this really famous TikToker called Alex Earl or her name is Alex Earl. Yeah. Um, she was just a college college kid who just made videos on TikTok, dancing videos. And the other thing is called get ready with me, which is what we see Daisy doing as well. The get ready with me when they're doing makeup, doing their hair, mm-hmm. and just talking to the camera. It's one of those like you feel like you're on FaceTime with your best friend. That's why these are really so popular on TikTok and why you see people doing their makeup, talking to the camera. That's why they're so popular. Um, but what Daisy is doing well is the Alex Earl formula. And it's not just Alex Earl that's doing this. I'm not giving her the credit for this if anybody's rolling their eyes. And side note, like Alex Earl is not my cup of tea kind of content, but she popped off on TikTok because of her consistency. So what Alex Earl would do is every single night, college kid, going to party, etc., she would make a get ready with me while I get ready to go out with my friends or something like that. And she talked to the camera and build up these storylines that people would expect every day. They'd go to her page to see what she was getting ready for. Then she'd do the outfit video. And then while she was out that night, she would make one video while she was out. So you get the storyline, you get access to their personal life, their personal thoughts, and then you get to see what's happening in their lives. So when Alex Rowe would go out to party or go to these big events, uh, to Formula One in Vegas, to the Super Bowl, et cetera. You get to live in their lives and you expect this consistent content. It's what I do on my page too. Everybody can expect that 48 hours after the episode, you're gonna get the social media report. The morning after, you're gonna get the screen time report. And whenever I'm late on that, I get a lot of DMs being like, where is it, where is it, comments asking for it. So that's what Daisy's doing really well. She's do- She has a formula. And she's making that content consistently, so people can expect it, um, and that's a good thing. Like I, I think a lot of people think of the, the word influencer as like a bad word, but it's not. It's not. There. She's a, a skilled content creator, which is helping the franchise, and it's helping her own personal brand too. Be it whatever she's gonna do after this with her nonprofit or continue social media content. Um, I think Daisy is doing a fantastic job and Maria is definitely starting to settle into that as well.
0: Well, one thing you brought up there was the franchise. And for the longest time, this franchise was literally well behind the times when it came to (laughs) how to promote and social media. They're obviously getting better, but I still think they're behind like the Vanderpump rules and, and the uh, love is blind and, you know, whatever those other shows are that I don't watch. Well, I watch Vanderpump now, but Um, I think I'm going to get caught up on love is blind this weekend anyway, but in your opinion, in in your opinion, bachelor social media team, have they made an improvement and how have they made the improvement?
1: So first and foremost, they're embracing social media. Finally, like they,
0: they clearly (laughs)
1: have somebody. Yes. And it's not just like, you know, I've been screaming from the rooftops, me and game of roses, like tag the freaking contestants on social media. Like they are your stars. You want to, it's this symbiotic relationship. The the franchise needs to embrace these contestants as the stars of their show and vice versa, right? Daisy making this content is helping people watch the show because people are falling in love with her on TikTok and being like, oh, I need to go watch The Bachelor because of Daisy. People are watching The Bachelor and being like, oh my gosh, I love Daisy, I love Maria. I should go follow them on social media. So the symbiotic relationship. But mm-hmm. the thing that I think is really different is that they're really beefing up The people that they've hired that are there during filming we're seeing so much more content or maybe they finally gave classes to producers on like just record cute clips of like like i saw this really cute video of daisy while they're boarding the plane be like i'm going to see my boyfriend in spain with all of his other girlfriends (laughs) like it was such a cute it was like five seconds like that is the content that we need from during filming that I think they're finally doing well. And I think also just, they clearly have scrapped their whole casting department and then also editing. There's definitely somebody new in charge there as well, because the editing of the show is great. It's like, this is the first season that I'm like truly excited for because everything is just so much better across the board.
0: Yeah. And I noticed that, um, you know, bachelor ABC's Instagram page posts a lot of behind the scenes stuff And they're also giving it to the contestants to post on their own pages because I know how it works. There's basically Mm -hmm. an email that goes out every week to the contestants with a folder that has all the photos in it that you can share to your social media pages. And they didn't do that in the past. I know they didn't. And it's the behind the scenes stuff that you're talking about. I remember, gosh, it was the other. It was it was yesterday or the day before. See, now I'm even confused if Daisy posted this. Or if it was a Bachelor ABC account that posted this that had a 10-photo carousel, there was a picture from them in, where were they last in, Um, Montreal, where Daisy was in a bikini at a pool and you see Joey in a pool behind her. I'm like, when did we ever see Daisy and Joey near a pool in this last episode? We didn't. It was a behind-the-scenes shot. And I don't even know if it was, like I said, if it was Daisy or Bachelor IG's page. I think it was Bachelor ABC's Instagram page. But- You go through the carousel and it's all these pictures of, you know, snapshots that you did not get to see during the episode. The women hugging each other, the women laughing together. Yeah, like you said, that's what people want to see. And it's for the first time, this is the first time I remember it being this prevalent of so many behind the scenes photos.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's really working in their favor because it's just giving people more content. And that's the thing you go to follow these people on social media because number one, you're interested in them, you wanna see their thoughts, you wanna see into their lives. So by the show giving them all of this bonus content, it's just feeding your most loyal viewers. And it's also, it's one of the things, again, the symbiotic relationship too, when the contestants can have that bonus content, then it's not just Daisy talking to her, her camera nowadays, but she can also trickle in old content from back then her own spin on that edit as well like it's just great all around and that's the thing i like i know you and i Steve. like we spoke before the season started but i was i was pretty convinced that this was going to be my last season covering the show at the pace that i do with like screen time every week and all of that we had spoken about it because i was just like you know the ratings after charity season were they were bad like the majority of episodes were under two million viewers um and then bachelor in paradise was not great um you know golden bachelor was good but also like golden bachelor there isn't a ton that i can analyze like the social media growth for golden bachelor was not much because again it's one of those things what do the viewers really want to see that they go to follow on social media and the majority of viewers don't identify with older contestants they're enjoying watching it that's for sure but the 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 getting people to convert to social media followers. We're just not going to see it with older contestants like we do with younger contestants. Um, but I've done a 180 on that stance now because ratings are up. Social media is up all of that.
0: Well, when I look at it, I was going to ask you about golden bachelor, but clearly there, (laughs) there isn't much there. Uh, Obviously ratings wise, it did well. Social media wise, not a ton to analyze. Um, kind of wanted to move on to uh just we'll get back to bachelor but i know you do love is blind i've just never gotten into that show i probably will this season i know that um six episodes posted and then the and then the remaining are being posted either today or tomorrow right something like that or are they doing one a week to re- to for the rest of the season
1: no so it's really nice the first week they dropped six episodes yesterday i think they dropped episodes 7 through 9 Um, They don't ever do single episodes every week. It's normally like a bunch, a bunch, and then the last few weeks are like one or two episodes until the finale.
0: Oh, okay. Didn't know that. So we have six last week, and then seven through nine dropped yesterday, and then next week I'm assuming 10 through 12 or something like that?
1: Oh, I need to look. I'm actually prepping all my Love is Blind content today, so I'm not like totally – in the know yet on on the feed schedule? I've actually watched the entire season because I get screeners. So, <laughs>
0: what is the what are the, what are those numbers for those contestants? Do those obviously significantly grow once the episodes are dropped? Are those people in the millions yeah. or five hundred thousands or what?
1: We we haven't seen a million in a bit. The last two seasons were not great. Especially last season was really bad. Um, this season is a bit of a mess, but it's not as bad. <laughs> um but contestants do gain at a at a bigger rate on love is blind but that makes sense right love is blind i can tune i can open up my netflix and watch it and then my cousins in brazil can open up their netflix and just watch it it's not like my cousins in brazil if they want to watch the bachelor they have to do like backflips with vpns to try to watch it yeah um so love is blind just it has a global audience that doesn't have to do again backflips with vpns and watching illegally to watch it Um, So with a bigger audience, it's much easier to grow. Um, But similar to Bachelor franchise, the social media growth year to year for Love is Blind has also seen a decrease ever since TikTok blew up. Um, But the thing is, is that typically Netflix contestants and these other shows like Love Island, they're much better about embracing social media. I think honestly, the bigger problem between Bachelor franchise and all these other shows is that. I think there was this stigma that a lot of people thought, oh, I can just appear on The Bachelor and I'll just gain a million followers because <laughs> that's how it was for a while. Um, not a million followers, but like as long, there was as a long period as last,
0: that- As long as you lasted far enough, you could. You had to be yeah, re- relevant and I to mean, the season.
1: People would gain fifty, eighty thousand 80,000 followers who were eliminated like week four. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very easy to get a following by simply existing on just having an account on social media. Um, but other shows like Netflix shows, they embrace social media very well in Love Island as well. Um, but this season right now where we were at last night, so the 20th Tuesday, just before the episodes dropped, the biggest following that we had on Love is Blind is Jess, um, Jessica, who had had 180,000 followers last night. And to give you an idea a week before she had 4,000 followers. So, hundred eighty thousand followers in a week. Um, wow! And she's the she's the biggest following. Um, we also saw there was a contestant who uh, didn't make it past the pods, but had this incredibly engaging storyline. He's gained over eighty thousand followers in a week, and he's not even look. Like, there there was a whole thing in the pods. So, um, he's he's killing it on social media. He's making all this content on TikTok, which is getting millions upon millions of views. And that's the thing. They're they're embracing social media so they're they're blowing up.
0: Now, I haven't watched anything, but I do read a lot of entertainment sites every single day. Is Jessica the one that told the dude I look like Megan Fox? <laughs> is she is no. that her? who's that who's that girl?
1: Jess is the one that was like you're going to regret this.
0: Oh, I don't even, Well, yeah, I guy. didn't watch, so I didn't know that. Who I only know some girl told the guy I look like Megan Fox or I've been told I look like Megan Fox. And the guy was like, what? I saw that clip. (laughs) Do we know which girl that was? Or would you know off the top of her head, which, what her name is? Uh,
1: let me pull her up really quick.
0: I want to see if she gained anything because she told people she looked like Megan Fox. And the clip that I saw, I was like, no, you don't. (laughs) I didn't think she looked like Megan Fox. So yeah, I don't, (laughs) I don't know what her, I don't know what her deal was or why she said that.
1: that's, That's Chelsea. She has, uh, last night, 43,000 followers.
0: (laughs) Okay. So that Megan Fox bit didn't really work for her. Um,
1: going on. No, she, she's doing really well. I mean, there's only one contestant that has over a hundred thousand followers right now. Um, but Chelsea, she's ranked up there. She right now has 55000 followers. I just pulled up her profile and she is ranked fourth overall from most followers.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, one last thing, uh, cause I know gotta, I know you have to, you're on a time crunch here. One last thing in going back to bachelor is something that was really surprising to me. And I guess I never realized it, even though it makes sense is the fact that when you dominate screen time as a contestant on this show up until final four, if you look at this season's screen time, I mean, right now through six episodes, the final two women that we know are on this season, Daisy and Kelsey a. They're currently Mm -hmm. fifth and sixth in terms of how much screen time they've gotten this season, and they Mm -hmm. are right around... They're under 20 minutes total of screen time, whereas Maria is almost at 50 minutes of total screen time through six episodes. And look, spoiler or not, we know Maria doesn't win, but you just go back through other seasons. I was looking at it, and I'm like, holy shit. I did not realize how much screen time has not even mattered when it came to... Even people that lasted till the end. You go back to Clayton season. The winner of screen time that season was Shanae, and she beat everybody by at least looks like about fifteen minutes. And um, let's see, Gabby was the runner-up on um, Zach season. She was the leader in screen time, but Katie won Zach season, and she was fifth. Like and then, you know, there's Shanae, um, the one that blew me away. And we talked about this before we went on. We'll bring it up again. The fact that Sarah Trot on Matt James season who literally lasted two episodes, led the season in screen time. I know that second episode was broken up into a third, right? It was split up into a, a part three, but technically she only made it to this through the second rose ceremony, yet she led Matt James' season in featured screen time, you know, pre-hometowns. And second place was Victoria, Queen Victoria, who... I think only lasted 3 episodes and she was in second. Yep. Like it's crazy. I did not I did not realize this, but it makes sense. If you're involved in the drama, you're going to get a lot of camera time. Period.
1: Yeah, this is across the board. So I the first season that I started analyzing screen time was Tasha's half of her season. And social or er, screen time always goes pre-hometowns. Always goes to who had the most drama consistently and that makes sense right because you're thinking about storylines and everything when you get to hometowns it's going to be a two-hour episode which is really an hour and a half because of commercials that's split up between four people then overnight split up between three people finale split up between two people right so that first and foremost that's why i look at pre-hometown screen time is because once you get to hometowns the final four are just going to skyrocket ahead of everybody else yeah but if you think about the way they have to build up these storylines, the only time that we're gonna see a contestant who's final four and not involved in the drama, that's gonna be high up in screen time is gonna be because they had two one-on-one dates, which we won't see until next week um, on Joey's season. Because if you're not involved in the drama and you're not getting a one-on-one date, they ain't gonna show you because those are the storylines. The storylines are what's happening on the date, And drama, that's that's all the storyline that time that they have or Joey talking to the camera before the week starts talking about his how insecure he is and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the contestants, they're not going to show you unless you're involved in the drama or you're having a date. So thinking mathematically, there's no way that final four is going to be up there in screen time unless they have drama or multiple one on one dates. So I'll be really curious to see screen time um, after this next week's episode but we've never seen a contestant with this much more screen time than everyone else th- that I've analyzed at least because the biggest discrepancy between first and second that I've, I've ever seen was Janae. It was like 14 or 13 minutes or something like that. It's 24 minutes for Maria. <laughs> like yeah. this season is the Maria show.
0: <laughs> yeah, most definitely it is. And you just look at it. It's just everything you just said makes logical sense, but not a lot of people. Think about it that way. They think, oh, the person who wins must get the most screen time. No, it's actually really the opposite. The person who wins is usually never involved in any drama. And like you said, on any given episode, it's either the focus is the one-on-one dates and the drama. Yes, on a group date or the group date after party, we're going to get, you know, I think even in this last episode, our final two women this season with Kelsey and Daisy. Yeah, we saw his alone time with them in the group date after party. But what was that, 15 30 seconds tops like the show made it a point to make sure we saw them in their Mm one-on-one time together but it's so minimal compared to the whole episode where obviously kelsey t gets a one-on-one maria got her pretty woman one-on-one and clearly that just added to maria's uh camera time this season that she's like you said almost 25 minutes ahead of second place finisher which is just an absolute blowout so far I
1: mean Daisy, Daisy and Rachel, this last episode, episode six, they had um they were the last two for screen time. Um, and when it comes to the percentage of the episode that they that the screen time was dedicated to them, it gets even worse. Daisy had 2.2% of the episode, and Rachel had 2.6% of the episode. Now keep in mind 31% or 32% of the episode went to Joey and 10, 11% went to Maria um, and Kelsey T, 10% of the episode went to Kelsey T. So between Joey, Maria, and Kelsey T, uh, 50% of the episode, or sorry, 30, 40, yeah. 50% of the episode went to just three people. Um, but yeah, they we hardly saw um, our final four contestants aside from Maria. I love, last episode now that I look
0: at it. I love you bringing up percentage of the episode because it immediately brings me to all the what is it chads brads and dads who've been complaining about Taylor Swift's uh appearance <laughs> on NFL games and it's just like really 51 yeah. seconds out of a three hour and nine minute game you realize she was on your screen for 0.3 percent of the show that you or the, the game that you just watched Super Bowl it was like You know, Vegas sets an over-under for pretty much everything, especially when it comes to the Super Bowl. And the over-under for how many times Taylor Swift was going to be shown on the screen at the Super Bowl was set at 5.5. You can bet over 5.5, and if she was shown six or more times, you win your bet. If you bet under, had to be shown five or less. She was shown 12 times during the Super Bowl. However, and this is just beginning, you know, kickoff till the end of the game. She was shown 12 times. However, (laughs) <laughs> Those twelve times were one minute and forty four seconds and the game was four hours and nine minutes old. She was literally point three six on your screen and yet you got the Yahoos out there that are screaming, She's bad for football, this is terrible. Those people are such idiots. They don't understand how much she brought to the NFL this year. And I love it. I love that they're so yeah. mad. I love they're so mad at it. We them.
1: went we went to a bar to watch the second half because I was working preparing for the double episodes that week. And there was this guy that was because we were sitting at the bar just watching it, my boyfriend and I. And this guy went off when she came on the screen. And he was like legitimately angry, like angry. And I turned and I go, you have some really big emotions there about Taylor Swift so on the screen. He goes, no, I'm not emotional. I'm just really annoyed. <laughs> and I go. I didn't realize that being annoying wasn't an being annoyed wasn't an emotion, (laughs) and he was just like, "It's just ridiculous." Like uh, Travis Kelsey is such a successful athlete, and like, why are they paying attention to his girlfriend? Like she she didn't she's not the reason that he's so successful, and all this stuff. And I was just like, "These it's a lot of big emotions for just a few seconds."
0: You know, you know what you, know you should have said.
1: But man, shot. it was hilarious. They especially the specific guy. He went off on me because I, I was, I was watching. I had an ear, an AirPod in while the Super Bowl was on because I, I don't care for football, and I was watching some Bachelor stuff and like working on a spreadsheet. And he was like, Are you really watching reality TV? I was like, No, I'm, I'm working. And like his mind literally exploded when because he was just like, Oh, are you one of those people who just gives their opinion on TV shows on a podcast? And I was like, No, I'm actually a data analyst. And he was like, Oh, so you work for the network. And I was like, No, like, I actually quit my job. I do this full time. And he was like, Oh, you must have not been making very much money at your last job. And I was like, I mean, <laughs> six figure job. But yeah, I guess making $118,000 is not a lot. <laughs> like, it was so funny. My boyfriend was, like, really writing hard for me. And I was like, no, I'm good. I can, I can handle this. But, like, he was just like, well, why would anybody care about data on reality TV? And I was like, well, why would anybody care about data on sports? And like he just went silent and you could see his brain was working really hard to insult me. <laughs> the hamster
0: the hamster was running really fast on the wheel in his brain. Yeah, that's
1: very yeah, I know the best part too was when he like turned to my boyfriend, he's like, So what do you do for a living? He was like, I help her run her businesses. <laughs> um but man, it was hilarious. And then this other guy next to me, his wife was there and she just like found it the coolest thing. She and she was the one who made the first connection. She was just like Oh, yeah. It's just like sports, like the data analysts that are feeding all the data to the announcers. And I was like, exactly. That's exactly what I do, <laughs> but not directly <laughs> on the show. But it's yeah, so funny. Lots, if, if I was lots there, of if angry the, men.
0: Well, I was going to say, if I was there, I would have shot back at him. Hey, remember last game when the Chiefs played the Bills and Travis Kelsey scored a touchdown and his brother went shirtless into this. He was in the suite and he was shirtless <laughs> and chugging a beer. Were you excited about that? He probably been like, oh, that was so cool. OK, what? so why were you so excited that they showed Travis Kelsey's brother shirtless chugging a beer, but they literally show Taylor Swift in a suite doing basically nothing and you're getting mad? It's pretty much rooted yeah. in misogyny. We, we're very really well aware now. This is all Absolutely. just woman hatred by these guys, because nobody said yeah. peep. nobody said peep when Travis Kelsey brother went shirtless after he scored a touchdown because they were like, oh, that's so cool. He's cheering on his brother. Yeah. And Taylor's cheering on her boyfriend. What's the difference? You know?
1: Exactly. And I mean, anybody who's ever been to a sports game or if you watch any big game on TV, there's always points because especially football, it's not like basketball, that basketball, it's it's continuous play. Football is very much like you see a few seconds of a play, it stops for a while. You see a few seconds of play and then it stops for a while. Any of these these sports games, they always cut to famous people who are there watching, like be it rappers, be it celebrities. They've always done that. It's just people are mad because it's Taylor Swift like, and and a woman.
0: Well, to to further your point, there's obviously been studies on this, and it's very easy to study because somebody that's a uh, data analyst can do it for a football game. A football game is four quarters, 15 minutes each quarter, but there's a lot of running clock, and there's a lot of time where the clock is running and no plays are happening. In a 60-minute game, which usually lasts in the NFL roughly on average, three hours and 15 minutes to three hours and 30 minutes, you could easily shoot back to anybody else that says to you in the future in a bar during a game, do you realize, sir, that there's only 18 minutes of actual game action out of the three hours and 30 minutes that you're watching? So most of the time you're watching stuff where you're not even watching actual plays being made in a football game. So don't tell me you're bothered by Taylor Swift being shown for five seconds. You're making, you're losing your point every time you open your mouth, sir. 18 minutes out of three hours, three and a half hours is actual plays in the NFL. Because if there's a running play and a guy gets tackled, the clock runs and you're on a 40 second clock. It's 40 seconds. So you have to run the next play. So that's 40 seconds of shots of the coaches, shots of the fans, shots of the huddle. And it's just like, that's not interesting. You're only seeing literally 18 minutes of actual gameplay in NFL games. To throw that on somebody and watch them get their panties in a bunch. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be upset at that too. Um, but that's funny that the guy attacked you in the bar and your boyfriend was just like, hey, you can ignore him. And you're like, no, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll keep going. I don't <laughs> care. That's great. Um, anyway, uh, Susanna, thank you. I know you're on a time crunch here. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it filling up with all this good data. I really enjoy it. Um, We'll probably have a lot to look forward to at the end of this season when everything plays out and uh, we'll revisit it as we get into, you know, going into next season, Bachelorette, golden Bachelorette season, we know it's coming up. So getting into all that good stuff. Thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. You got it.
0: Thank you so much to Susanna, an absolute encyclopedia when it comes to the data from this show and Go to her page, Bachelor Data, on Instagram, and you can see all these different charts that she's made. And we talk about the screen time, the record-setting performances by Daisy and Maria this season. It's been, you know, it's like out of nowhere because for five years everything's been going downhill on this show, basically since COVID. And now here they are bringing in numbers where, you know, the one thing I forgot to ask Susanna was if she had to guess – where would Daisy be after the show is over? Like on finale night when the show ends, where does she think Daisy is at number wise? I'm gonna say she's at 369 now or 380 now. I'm saying she's at least 750 or 800 by finale night is my guess. Um, but I could be wrong. Maybe it's a million. I'm not sure. But anyway, thanks again to Susanna for coming on. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Oops. Also rate and review. <laughs> Uh, if you can, um, the Sports Daily uh, was posted an hour ago. The Daily Roundup was posted two hours ago. So check that out. Again, for Bachelor Data, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. And I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.